turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970, The Answer. Hi, it's Arthur Idala on AM 970, The Answer, and you're listening to the Arthur Idala Power Hour, the best of. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Columbus Day, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful day. You should be off because it's a federal holiday. Columbus Day is a federal holiday. I marched to the parade today. I have a beautiful meal with my family. And those of you who want to know what's going on in the city of New York and hear it right from the leader of the city of New York, we're going to hear from Eric Adams. And then we're going to follow up by hearing from Bill O'Reilly. So you're stay tuned for a great show. Before we jump on the phone with the mayor of the city of New York, I just need to put some things in perspective because I actually learned some things today preparing for this show with the mayor. What I get hit with the most from people who know that I'm friendly with Mayor Giuliani and I'm friendly with uh, Mayor Adams is how, you know, Rudy got things under control and the city was so much safer when Rudy was the mayor. And I don't have the 2022 numbers with with the uh, with the current administration, but this is the end of the de Blasio administration, the end of the administration that of eight years that people say he's the worst mayor ever. And I think the numbers are going to surprise some people, some people that are actually in this room. So in 1998, very th- deep into the Giuliani uh, administration, robberies in the city of New York for that whole year were 39,000, 39, so very close to 40 grand robberies at the end of 2021 were 30. 13,000. I mean, that you know, that's a, a very, let's see, what is it? It's a 64% drop. So we're 64% lower in robberies from the middle of the Giuliani administration until the end of the de Blasio administration. Rape from uh, Giuliani to de Blasio is down 40%. Another big one, burglaries. In 1998, there were 47,000 burglaries. And in 2021, there were 12,000 burglaries. Now, to Rudy's, let me just put things in perspective for Rudolph Giuliani. In 1990, there were 122,000 burglaries, 122,000 when in the Dinkins administration. In the middle of the Giuliani administration, burglaries were down to 47,000. So Rudy knocked off a, a tremendous, a tremendous amount. Uh, the same with robberies. When Rudy came in, there was 180,000, I'm sorry, 100,000 robberies in the city of New York in 1990. In the middle of Rudy, it was 40,000. So he knocked down 60,000. 
But if you look at 98 compared to 2021, the numbers are still way, way, way down. I mean, I'll just read off the percentage change from 21 to 98 without telling you that murder down 22 percent, rape down 40 percent, robbery down 65 percent, felony assault down 20 percent, burglaries down 72 percent, grand larceny down 20 percent and GLA down 76 percent. So I know we feel a little less safe than we used to. But the numbers compared to when we said Rudy made us all so safe, we're a heck of a lot safer now. Without further ado, the mayor of the city of New York, my friend Eric Adams. Hello, Mr. Mayor. How are you, sir? Hey, how are you, brother? Good to speak with you. And I, I mean, don't. I caught, I caught, I caught the, the numbers that you just dropped. And, uh, let, me, let me tell you something. You know, there was this person sitting for a portrait, and he had a big scar on his face. And when the artist came, he told the artist, I know you see I have this scar, but remember, I have a face. <laughs> Keep that in mind while you draw my portrait. Well, the portrait of our city. Yeah, we have scars. Yes, we have six crimes a day, felony crimes a day on the subway system. But we have 3.5 million riders a day. And yes, we have scars of people who want to use violence that we're going after. But we have police officers that have removed 5,000 guns off the street. We're not coming back. New York is back. No, I hear it. Now, so- increasing. So, you know, people need to tell the real story. Arthur, if you wake up every day and people take the worst of our city and highlight it daily, you're going to define our city by that. That's not the New York that I see every day. New York is here and is here to stay. And I want to be clear on that. No, I listen, and no, no one's got your back and, and is singing that song louder than I am. So I, I'm with you, Mr. Mayor, 100%. But I have to tell you, like this Tuesday, I believe it was. So I'm in court right by your office there in City Hall. I get on the train and I'm coming to my Midtown office on the four train. And um, there's a guy on the train. The, the train is like, you know, 50% full as it should be at whatever it was noon. And there's a guy who looks like he's dressed kind of appropriately. Uh, the, no indication there's anything wrong. And as soon as the doors close, he starts screaming and yelling and he's and curse words. And, you know, I go from reading my phone and put my phone away. I'm getting ready to throw down. He's not necessarily looking right. at me. But, you know, there's a, an older woman next to me. There's a young lady across from me. You know, I got a little kid. I got two little kids. I'm like, if this guy starts throwing down, like, you know, you know how I am. Chivalry's not dead. Right? I'm going to help these people your brain starts spinning now luckily the next stop came the doors open i just got out and went into another car but those types of incidents are what you know and again that was there was no crime committed but this guy was out you know he was out there so what my friends who sometimes give me a hard time about being so pro eric adams asked me to ask you on the show eric adams tell the listeners of the author idola power hour what you and your team, the, the plan today. We know what your plan was in January. Things have gotten a little bit better. Thank God shootings are down. Shooting victims are down. Murders are down. But other things are up, like robberies, which I think is the, the top of the list here. What is Eric Adams' team doing to stop the robberies, especially in the transit system? And, and, and as I stated um, from the onset, onset uh, when you see incidents like that, we have to really analyze what's happening in our city in a real way. There's a mental health crisis. And remember, police can't only address the mental health crisis. It needs a combination of all the agencies that deal with mental health. And you know what happens when the police officers respond. Everyone is now saying, why are you trying to throw the police at people who have mental health issues? You're trying to criminalize them. No, we have been approaching those mental health crises. 
we just lost an amazing, uh, you know, public servant and Lieutenant Russo who was stabbed, mental health crisis. Michelle Go pushed to the subway train, mental health crisis. But, but, but Eric, you can understand how those things freak people out. In other words, she, I believe you promoted her. She's now Captain Russo. What happened with yeah. that woman? She's a 61-year-old public servant. I mean, I mean your eulogy was great. I, I, I'm tired. I know you're much more tired than I am. I'm tired of hearing you give eulogies. I heard you give uh, Rivera's eulogy and Mora's eulogy. Uh, but the way we think as lay people, you know, she's a uniformed officer. You're thinking there's a degree of protection that she may have that we don't have. And she's, you know, getting a, a lunch and she gets stabbed in the neck. And, and look, you and I can not get into rattling them all off. So what should I tell my buddies who are breaking my chops? What's Eric Adams doing? What's his team doing to address the mental health issue? Well, the first thing, first, first thing you should say to your buddies who, who busting your chops, the safety of this city is all about responsibilities and concerns. Uh, our police officers every day do job. Felony arrests are up 70 of a, a 27-year high in felony arrests of dangerous people. So by, but it's by us all being engaged together, they should advocate for what we're seeing. I'm trying to push in Albany. We had to put uh, a teeth to the Kendra's law so that we can make determination of people who can't take care of themselves. They should not remain on our streets. Right now, we're not doing that. We're not extending who can make that determination. That's what I'm going to be pushing for in Albany. So when do you think that's going to happen, Mr. Mayor? Well, this is this is many of the pathways we have to take. January, we pick folks come back in Albany. But in the interim, we increased the number of police officers on patrol in our subway system. We have taken proactive. Remember in the previous administration, no one was going after those who were set for services. No one was going after the encampments. No one was going after people who were living on the system. We changed that. We've done just the opposite. Of, of making sure that we are proactively going after those who are creating not only the actual crimes, but the perception of fear that we're seeing, seeing every day. So, and listen, uh, often we cannot, if a person is on the street right now, homeless, uh, being disruptive, there's only a certain level that we can do based on the laws of this state I'm on aware, taking that Your person Honor. off the street. I, I'm, aware, I'm, so, I'm, I'm well aware, Your Honor. I mean, I, you well, know, I follow this stuff. So, <laughs> you know, let me so ask I, you this question. I, I, well, you well, know, let me say this, though, this is important. This is important. Listen, listen. What I'm saying to New Yorkers, every, imagine waking up every day and someone's telling you about the worst part of your day. Every day. Every day, those six crimes on our subway system, we pick the worst one of them, we highlight them. We have a page in the paper that says city in crisis. That's not defined in New York. That, okay, I have corporations coming here, open. Major global corporations are open. Tourism is back. To 50, we're going to have 56 million tourists. The hotels are back, 94% occupancy. This city is back. And okay, so I got, I, got, I, got, I got a couple questions on, on the topic you just said. First of all, you talked about yeah. reading the papers. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Does Mayor Adams, do you read the papers? Yes, I do for information okay. purposes. But okay. I'm not reading. I'm not. I'm not allowing the papers to take away what I'm seeing every day in this city. Every day, I'm all over the city. I'm up at 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm normally checking out around 1 o'clock, sometimes 2 a.m. I'm not allowing people to take away what I'm seeing in the city. So when I'm on the subway system, I'm, I'm on at night. I like to go down at night to see how what's going on during the evening time. I'm at all these ribbon cutters of companies coming back in this city. We are 
defining our own story. And that's what I want to say to those New Yorkers out there who were saying this. Remember, Arthur, they were saying this a month after I was in office. Eric, how come you never fixed all the potholes? I, believe me, I am well aware. <laughs> I am well aware. So, Eric, let me ask you this. Uh, I had lunch today with Geraldo Rivera, and he asked me to ask you a question yes. about what we're talking about, about the newspapers, about what you're saying. is like if anyone only brings up the worst part of your day. Uh, you, you, know, you won the primary over a year ago. It's we're just about on the anniversary. You win in the general election. He, he said, you know, ask Eric if waking up in the morning and, and I, look, I am I know how hard you're working. I know for a fact because the relationships I have with people in your office following your schedule. How uh, demoralizing is it or how much does it hurt when, you know, you see with your own eyes things that are getting better. And yet the media is only focused on the negative stuff. How much does it affect the psyche of Mayor Eric Adams? None at all. I cannot, I cannot tell you how focused I am when I'm out in the streets and I see people giving me that symbolic thumbs up or telling me that, listen, Eric, we know how hard you're working. So the inside folks who only judge themselves by the headlines that are written about them, that's not how I live. I'm, I'm, I'm among the people in this city every day. And I see the energy they have. They said, listen, we know this is hard, but we know New Yorkers. And so, listen, brother, you're going to always have naysayers. That's the nature of the beast. <laughs> the the media is supposed to critique me. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? I, I, let's get back to crime for one second, because, you know, that's my ballywick. Yeah. And I'm not asking you to betray any confidences, but what are your relationship like with the five district attorneys? Because, you know, they have a lot of power on how things get handled once those police officers take those 5,000 guns off the street. You know, I know because Joe Hines told me himself that Bloomberg sat them down and said, unless you give everyone who gets nailed for a gun two years jail, I'm going to mess with your budget. And they all stuck to it. Morgenthau, Hines, uh, I forget, uh, um, Dick Brown in Queens. They all, uh, come on, whatever. I knew all five of the DAs at the time. But I mean, he, you know, Bloomberg really put the arm on them saying, we need to keep the guns off the street and the guys who have the gun have the guns and they can't get back out onto the street. Is Mayor Eric Adams have the kind of relationship with the district attorney's offices to work hand in hand with them to really fight these problems? Yeah, listen, we, we have been sitting down, co- conversating, giving solutions with the district attorneys. But think about this for a moment, because you really, you know, as a uh, an attorney, you understand this process. Number one, our criminal justice system is uh, needs to be repaired. The bottleneck in the court system is unbelievable. If someone out in a homicide charge and they're out for months before they are sentenced, that makes no sense. Many guys are not, not even going to trial anymore. You know, you used to be able to threaten people. If you don't take a plea, you go to trial. Now they're laughing at the thought of going to trial. We're not even doing trials the way they, they should be. People are in and out of the system. The system is broken and it's feeding this crisis uh, that we are witnessing. You saw what happened with the rapper. The, the rapper shot a police officer in himself. The judge states he did everything right that his mother told him to do. He was back out on the street at court with another gun. Another rapper was bailed out. Uh, uh, he was bailed out uh, with a gun charge, got out. He had to shoot in front of the St. Patrick Cathedral. This is what we are up against year, I mean, day after day after day. And we're going to keep doing our job uh, to deal with this violence because the violence is what is preventing people from seeing all the good stuff that's happening in this city. 
every day in the city, and I so, see it every day. And so let me I'm, let's I, talk about I, I guns. Optimistic about the future. Uh, listen, yeah. I'm more optimistic than you are, Mr. May. I got I have a ten month old. Okay, so I need this city to be great for the next hundred years. I I don't know if you got that much time left in your bandwidth, but I'm here for a hundred. I gotta watch my daughter turn forty. I'm staying until I'm ninety four years old. You ain't getting rid of me. So a federal judge today came down with a ruling, and I don't want to catch you off guard here because it came down a couple of hours ago, saying that with the legislature set up, these no uh, gun zones like Times Square and Grand Central uh, are illegal. That you can't have, you can have government buildings can be no gun zones, polling places can be no gun zones, schools and places of worship. Besides that, you cannot arbitrarily say you can't have a gun in Central Park, you can't have a gun in Times Square, you can't have a gun in Grand Central. Is uh, Do you know about this? Because it, it's really hours old. Yeah, no, but my team immediately has stuff breaks. My team immediately reached out and let me know. We're analyzing the ruling. Uh, the governor and the AG uh, uh, defended the case. Of, you know, of course, we are appealing, and that's the beauty of our criminal justice system. Uh, you have the authority to appeal those rulings that you disagree with. Uh, and whichever is the outcome, if, if we lose the appeal, then we're going to respect the ruling of the court. We will always follow what the courts dictate and say. Okay. I mean, I, I you could take the fifth on this one. I'm not looking for a whole bunch of people to be rolling around Times Square with a sidearm. I don't care if it's my buddy Derek, who I trust, or my buddy Chris, who I trust. Because if one dude who's a bad dude pops off his gun, what are we going to have, 80 other people whipping out a gun and shooting around in Times Square? I don't want to sign up for that. And you know what? You know what? That's what many people don't understand. People, people have a tendency to believe that okay, if I got my, if I have my gun, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to defend myself. First, first of all, nothing could be further from the truth. If someone gets to jump on you, and they have a gun, you are not going to have time to defend yourself. <laughs> Trust me. And and even if you're able to pull it out, one person pulls out a gun. We have sometimes 300,000 people out there in Times Square. If you have a thousand people with guns and they hear gunshots, who knows the difference between a good guy and a bad guy that has a gun? It's Listen, totally I'm... chaotic. It is a real danger to our safety in a place like New York where we're densely populated. And just so you know how much I love Times Square, I'm broadcasting this show live a week from tonight at the foot of the steps. I'm doing, they're giving me an extra hour. I'm, I'm doing two hours. I have the new restaurants coming on, some of the new Broadway shows coming on. I am, I'm going to be the cheerleader for the city over here. Um, before I have to let you go. I got to come. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. You didn't invite me to that. What are you doing? Listen, you're always invited to everything. <laughs> Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, Thanksgiving. My birthday's December 1st. We'll be at the Friars Club. You can come over to that. And speaking of friends and birthdays. Go ahead, Eric, you go. I'm going to be there. But, you know, let me tell you something. Your audience really believes in this city. You know, they believe in the city. They're business people. They have their own business. They believe in public safety. This is a time. And I'm the pilot right now. Like it or not, I'm the pilot of this plane. I'm with you. I voted you in as the pilot. And I'm I'm, I'm saying to your, your listeners, don't hope for me to crash. Because you on this plane with me. So I'm with you. I'm with you. I, listen, I tell my buddy Chris from Dyke Heights that all the time. Let me let me clear the air about one thing, and it'll take two minutes. My my dear friend yes. Frank Carone, he announced he's your chief yes. of staff. He announced he's departing at the end of the year. I just want you to verify that was the plan all along since he started working with you maybe two years ago uh, to help you get elected, correct? Without a doubt. I, I, I tell Frank is a longtime friend. And Frank had a good business, a good law firm. 
after winning the election, I said, Frank, I need you to come in for a year and to steady the ship, help me build out a team, which is a great team. Help me build out a team. Can you come in for a year to do it? Frank said, Eric, I give you my commitment. I'll come in for a solid year. This was something he and I both thought through. If I were to ask Frank, Frank, can you hang out a little longer? Because I need you to. Frank would do it. All right. I know. I just, I I just, he's he's the best. He's not a cheap staff. Frank is a friend. He's a friend that was there like you that said, listen, this is the type of guy that should be the mayor of our city. And And I cannot thank his friendship enough. I'm I'm with you, and I feel the same way about him. And I think the city was lucky to have him and still have him. He's not going in there. He's working his tail off, and he'll continue to work his tail off. I can't (laughs) let you go, Mr. Mayor, without talking about the migrant situation and people yelling at me, why did your mayor put these people in in a flood zone in Orchard Beach? And now he's moving them to Randall's Island, which is known to be another flood zone. And I know you got a victory today regarding the Bruckner houses in the Bronx, and you got additional housing, and that's a fantastic victory i know there was a little bit of a battle in uh in the city council and you won that and that's a w and i know you're always counting your w's but people want to know what's happening with the migrants versus the homeless like where are we putting all of these people in these in these tents on randall's island orchard beach uh cruise ships hotels it's just a little question to end the indoor <laughs> to end the interview over. No, and, I, and i like that and i like that you know you know what's interesting brother um there's one quote speech I say, I read every morning just about, and it's President Roosevelt. I'm the man in the mid- in the arena. You know, it's not the critic who kills. It's not the man that points out how a brave man uh, stumbled or the doer of these should have done them better. The true credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Face marred with dust, sweat, and blood. I'm in the arena. And it's easy for people who sit in the bleachers of life and talk about what the man in the arena should do or what calls they make or how they fail. That's easy to do. I'm making the calls that's best for this city. And sometimes those calls don't come out to, to the best. You stumble. But you get up and you make the adjustments. And anyone that has ever been in the arena, they tip their hats to people who are in the arena. I'm making the best calls for this city. And we're going to get through this together as New Yorkers. I appreciate it. Tell me what I tell my friends about Randall's Island. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Randall's I mean, Island is a, is a, we, we, there was no flooding at Orchard Beach. It was puddling. And we stated my commissioner, an ex-military person, a, a hero in our city, he stated that we can fix this puddling problem, but it would be better if we go to Randall's Island with a three-foot in, height increase so that we can put uh, the center's there. People are not living there. They're going there for a processing center. Now, ch- check out check out the hypocrisy of this, Arthur. Go ahead, I'm listening. Do you, know we ha- do you know we had camps during COVID in Central Park? Do you know we had a boat, a hospital boat during yes. COVID? Yes. Doc? So why is it okay for everyday New Yorkers to be in a camp, a tent in Central Park during COVID, and migrants can't be there as a processing center or be in a boat during COVID, but migrants can't be on a boat during processing center. It's not that they can't do it. Some people just want to be naysayers, and I'm a yaysayer. 
I'm with you. But, but, so when they get processed, then what happens, though, Eric? So you got all these people, and I know, look, there are deeper issues here. I know you've said something. Uh, you've, you've raised a question mark about whether migrants are being shipped off to cities that have black mayors. But, I, you know, I, as a native New Yorker who may be affected with the, the reality of having all of these new people in here, when you're saying they're being processed, they're being processed, and then what happens? We take down their name, rank, serial number. Now what happens with them? Here's, 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 here's what it is. Uh, number one, I'm never going to take away the resources that are for uh, those New Yorkers who are in need of services. We're not doing that, and we should not have to pit against uh, the migrants and non-migrants. And if, if we're, with a real level of honesty, when we look into our lineage, all of us came from somewhere. It doesn't matter who we are. At one time, our ancestors came to these shores trying to participate in the American dream. And they... The things people are saying about migrants, they said it about all of us. Uh, listen, you, I, you're me. talking to a Sicilian. I mean, of course I know it, what, what happened. There you are. And so here's what we do, uh, Arthur. Uh, there were many people who came here that did not want to come to New York City, but incentivized them coming to New York in Texas borders, El Paso, uh, Dallas, and other places. And what they're doing is finding out where do you really want to go. That's number one people that want to go to places where you have a large Venezuelan population. So we want a system to get there. There are others who have family members in the city that they want to stay with, or people who sponsor them. Then there are those who need to be cycled into our shelter system until they can get on their feet. And what, what is the I'm ultimate goal? This. Is the ultimate goal to make them citizens, to be tax-paying, productive members of society? Is that the direction we're heading in? Ultimate goal is with, the goal was with all of us that came to this country. Those who legally are allowed to be asylum seeker, uh, they should be allowed to stay. Those who are not legally allowed to be asylum seeker should return back to the country that they came from. But, but the groups fled prosecution, persecution in uh, Venezuela. That's where the largest population. But the goal is to do what we've always done as Americans and as New Yorkers. Those who pass the asylum seeker uh, process should be allowed to stay, and those who don't, has, must return to their country. This is the law of what we what we live by. But in oh, the well. meantime, we need to we need to make sure we don't create an environment that's dangerous for our our city in any way. Well, as a 22-year veteran of the NYPD, I can't think of anyone else's hands. I want uh, safety to be put in, and I know, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. But speaking of Rome, I got a message from Frank from Staten Island. He wants to know, number one, will you be marching in the Columbus Day Parade uh, this Monday? It was supposed to be beautiful weather with the Columbus Citizens Foundation, where I saw our mutual friend Tom, uh, Tom Swazi have a nice event for you when you were a candidate. So now, the question is, number one, will you be marching? But the deeper question is... The, the Italian-American Heritage Day, which has been called Columbus Day for over 100 years, is under attack. It's under attack by the Board of uh, Education, uh, by various uh, other agencies. What is Mayor Adams' uh, position? And I know you have a very strong relationship with the Italian-American community, but I need you to tell my listeners, and there's a lot of Italians and Sicilians out there, what is Mayor Adams? Number one, are you marching? Who are you marching with? And, and number two, what is, the, uh, what is Mayor Adams' position on, on Italian-American? heritage and Columbus Day. 
Well, number one, I look forward to marching. And uh, as I stated, uh, not only this year, but in previous years, we have a rich Italian community. And uh, I have attended an event um, at one of the locations. I forgot forgot who actually sponsored with with Italian-American Heritage Group. And I believe you were there also. I was there. I was there. I watched you. You know, you you fit in with the Sicilians. You fit in with us. (laughs) Of what I attended. So I I look forward to it. I look forward to continue to uplift uh, the rich heritage and contribution of the, of the Italian community. And, it's, but, and what I firmly believe, uplifting the heritages of groups doesn't have to tear down other groups. We have you. enough room in this country to uplift all groups because all of us contribute to what we call the American dream. Thank you. Because I, I got very upset. Someone sent me a text about uh, a proclamation or some sort of a bill that was put up. I don't know if it was in the assembly or the city council, totally eliminating Columbus Day and renaming it Indigenous People Day. And what Mayor Adams, what you just said is you don't need to knock down one to put up the other. All great people have been flawed from Lincoln to Jefferson and, and, and Columbus as well. And we have to, as Eric Adams taught us today, you got to look at the positive. Don't highlight the negative. Listen, that's what I believe because you know what? I'm perfectly imperfect, and I'm as flawed as one can get, but I keep, keep every day trying to reach the best inside me, and that's my goal. And so you're not going to agree with me all the time. You're not going to always believe I did the right thing, but one thing no one will ever be able to say, that I don't love this city, and I'm committed and dedicated this, to this city, and I will continue to be a public servant to this city as long as I live. And no one will ever say you're not the best-dressed mayor in the, the United States of America. <laughs> Eric Adams, thank you so much for your time, buddy. You, all. We all got thank your back you. on the Author Idola Power Hour. I'll see you Monday at the parade. All right, take care. Thank you. All right, folks, there you go. You had a whole half hour with the mayor of the city of New York. But if you lose, don't ask no questions why. The only game you know is doing that. Let's talk about our friends at Plaza College, because if you're looking for a career or perhaps a career change for yourself, a family member or a friend, one that allows you the flexibility to choose where you work, for whom and how frequently, well, there's a high powered and lucrative career that you really need to know about it. It's court reporting. It's an integral part of my life and my career. Court reporters and captioners are in higher demand than ever before. Court systems, schools and television stations are all looking for these professionals to record and caption everything from deposition to court cases to live events. The NCRA has partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives you a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and it's being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today. All you have to do is email info at plazacollege.edu. That's info at plazacollege.edu. Info at plazacollege.edu. The following is a paid political announcement. Hi, this is Frank Pallotta, Republican candidate for United States Congress here in New Jersey's 5th District. I'm not just running to return my district to Republican hands. I'm running to represent all of the people in my district, including seniors, veterans, small businesses, and everyone who longs for real bipartisan leadership. I've just launched a weekly radio talk show on AM 970, The Answer, called Frankly Speaking. Our show will air at 10 a.m. on Sundays, so please tune in. We'll be discussing the issues that are relevant and critically important to all of us here in the 5th District and across the great state of New Jersey. If you'd like to know more, please visit my website, 
website at frankfornj.com. That's frank, the number four, nj.com, where you can follow our campaign, catch up on all the issues, and if you like what you see, please feel free to donate. If you have any questions, please contact our offices at 201-783-8801. Thank you. This is Frank Pallotta, and I approve this message. For over 75 years, Columbus Citizens Foundation has promoted Italian-American culture and heritage and has provided thousands of scholarships to Italian-American students who have academic ability but find themselves in need of financial aid for their education. It is no exaggeration to state that this scholarship program has literally changed the lives of students throughout the generations. I've seen it with my own eyes. They cannot afford to do it alone. To find out how you can help the Columbus Citizens Foundation, visit www.com. ColumbusCitizens.org. Learn more about the various scholarships offered by the foundation and help make a difference in someone's life today. Visit www.columbuscitizens.org. There's a lot of cool stuff there about the Italian American community. This organization, the Columbus Citizens Foundation, they bring you the Columbus Day Parade. They're working hard all weekend to make sure everything goes off without a hitch, especially the weather. And it looks like it's going to be great. You can help them bring a quality education to Italian American students in need by donating today. Visit their site at www.columbuscitizens.org. That's www.columbuscitizens.org. There's a lot to learn and understand when getting ready to buy a home. Having a right lending team in place who can help is important. The lending experts at Citizens Bank can answer your questions about home borrowing or how to get started with a mortgage pre-approval. Call Citizens Bank at 212-857-6668, 212-857-6668, and ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered and originated by Citizens Bank N.A., NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender. All right, coming up tonight, 7 o'clock, it's all about the money. And even though on this Columbus Day banks were closed and the government was closed and lots of other things were closed and schools included, uh, the markets were open. What did we learn? What did we see? And what will the week ahead hold for us? Hillary Kramer joins me tonight at 7. This is Molly Hemingway. In 2020, millions of Americans experienced the most troubling election of their lives. That's why I wrote the book Rigged. How big tech, the media, and Democrats seized our elections. I write about Mark Zuckerberg's efforts to take over election operations in key states. How the coronavirus was used to force election laws designed explicitly to help the Democrat Party. And much, much more. It's now in paperback. Don't miss Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged. How the media, big tech, and the Democrats seized our elections. Available wherever books are sold. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. AM 970, The Answer. Hey, it's Arthur Idala, and you are listening to the best of the Arthur Idala Power Hour on AM 970, The Answer. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Uh, 
I am thrilled here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour to welcome Bill O'Reilly to the program. As I stated in the last segment, uh, I know Stern goes around and calling himself the self-proclaimed king of all media. But at this point, uh, Bill O'Reilly has uh, trumped him. He is, in fact, Bill is the king of all media. Uh, almost two decades at number one in cable news. And now he's rocking it on the uh, streaming platforms. Uh, he's kicking butt on radio and on podcasts and with all of these books these killing series uh he is the indisputable indisputable champion as was muhammad ali see we, we've got them all in there we got elvis lennon and ali welcome to the show mr o'reilly you forgot to name the book oh, well I, we already did we did that in the first segment o'reilly we're gonna talk about the book we're gonna talk about the book this whole i did the commercial for you in the first segment i don't want to waste any of your time i uh, promise no, i'll pump it up talking to you is never a waste of time so the book killing the legends the lethal danger of celebrity you actually use sound dog which that dopey song changed american culture and that's why i decided to write this book because Cultural history in America is very underreported. Most historians are snobby. So you say Elvis, John Lennon, Muhammad Ali, they go, well, what about Millard Fillmore? Well, we'll get to Millard later. But uh, the way we live in America was directly impacted by these three men. So I chose them um, to be in the 12th killing book, killing the legend. And it's amazing stories because they all collapsed under the weight of their celebrity. So here's, here's the thing. Cause Bill, I spent the big hunk of this weekend, uh, when I wasn't with my five-year-old and 10-month-old, uh, reading, reading the book, I was particularly fascinated by Muhammad Ali's section because my grandfather handed Muhammad Ali the biggest defeat of his career when he judged the fight 961 Frazier. Uh, on March 8th, 1971. But Elvis and Lennon, ultimately, they got their different, to diff taking different paths, but they succumbed to drugs. Ali succumbed to some degree religion and then the trust of, of losing his finances, which formed, which caused him to keep getting punched in the head. Um, so it, it, the question I had when I was reading the book, and here's the question for you, why Ali and not Marilyn Monroe, who falls more into the Elvis and Lennon of succumbing to the fame and dying because of the drugs. Because Marilyn did not influence the culture at all. Whereas Ali um, took dissent to the level that had never been seen when he refused to be inducted into the army. All right. And that had never been at that level of celebrity done. And then the civil rights next to Dr. Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali was the most impactful African-American involved in the movement. So that's why I wrote this book, because people don't know that. They say, well, you know, I get a lot of questions. Well, where's Michael Jackson? Well, Michael Jackson's dead from drugs, but he didn't influence the culture. And um, so I'm dealing with the titans, the three ones that um, influence how we live today. I mean, the Beatles from 64 to 69 were the spear point of the sex, drugs, rock and roll era. Again, changing our culture to what we have today. And to see what happened to the leader of the band, I mean, you can make an argument, McCartney, but Lennon was really, you know, the most gregarious. He's out there. And then he does a total 180 after meeting Yoko Ono, becomes a recluse 
addicted to heroin. What is that all about? That, of course, broke up the Beatles, and people don't know that. So I'm very happy in the way that we portrayed these men because it's absolutely honest. There's no BS in the book, um, no celebrity crap. We're not involved with that other than to say if you want to be a famous person, be careful what you wish for. Well, let me let me back up to, uh, I guess, kiss your butt a little bit. So my dad is a voracious reader, and you can tell me what year um, Killing Lincoln came out. And I forget if I bought it for him or somehow he got it on his own. And when I say my dad's a voracious reader, I mean, like, he reads three or four books a week. Uh, he said that Killing Lincoln was uh, amongst, if not the, the best book he's ever read, which then compelled me to read it. And then I went into the whole Killing Kennedy book. But I think this book, and he, my dad actually said this to me, may be your bestseller only because of what you just said. It has three people that kind of span, you know, Elvis, you could go look at the 50s, the Beatles, you could look at the 60s into the 70s, and, and uh, Ali goes into the 70s into the 80s. There's something in this book for everyone. And and when you just pick it up and you look and you read Prologue 1, which has this horrible description of Elvis basically dying in the, in the bathroom and how they find him, you just get sucked in. I mean, you just got to you just got to keep reading. You, you really you don't give the, uh, the reader a choice. Uh, does does the uh, saleability of these books, because you've written all of them now from Jesus to the killing the killers. How big of a factor is that for Bill O'Reilly when he decides what book to write? Well, I want people to read the books, number one. Obviously, that drives success in uh, authorship. But I don't pander. I'm never going to pander, and I don't do that on TV or radio either. I basically say, look, if you want to know about whatever it may be, Lincoln, Jesus, Pat, uh, this is the 12th killing book, Killing New Legends, the most successful book series nonfiction in history. 19 million copies of my books in print. Listen, I already crowned you the king of all media, O'Reilly, yeah, so keep I mean, going. But it's, Come on. It's, it's humbling, actually, for me, who never even thought I would get a book published back in 2000. But I put the reader there. So you are in Graceland when Elvis Presley is destroying himself. You are in the ring with Ali when Joe Frazier almost killed him in the Philippines. Um, Ali almost died, and, and Frazier was almost blinded by Ali. It was the most brutal prize fight in the history of prize fighting. And it, it changed the course of both men. And then one of the keystones of the book is that Ferdy Pacheco, the fight doctor, told Ali and the Nation of Islam, you can't fight him again for another year. Who's back in the ring in four months? Yeah, Muhammad I, that, Ali. I, I didn't and that realize destroyed that destroyed his brain. It destroyed it. Well, but O'Reilly, from O'Reilly, what you write in the book is Ali disputes that in the book. He says, it doesn't matter no, what Ali disputes. Well, he says no other boxer has gotten Parkinson's. He said Joe Lewis got hit a lot of times. Marciano got hit a lot of times, and none of them got Parkinson's. Pacheco confirmed it. And that's the guy who was closest, the physician closest to Ali. It's like Elvis. Elvis goes, oh, I'm not a drug addict. You know, I mean, these people don't see themselves. They didn't know what was happening to them, um, that their fame overwhelmed them, that they gave other people authority in their lives they never should have given them. Um, they didn't know they were being betrayed while they were being betrayed. It's, they didn't know it. So That's what is the common the thread, Bill O'Reilly? of celebrity. What's the common thread between the three of them? Or is there one? Betrayal. They're okay. all betrayed. 
by people close to them. Tom Parker, the manager, um, takes 50% of Presley's assets. But Presley knew it, handed it over. Um, John Lennon totally changes after he cedes his life to Yoko Ono, who's still alive today. Gives her complete authority over him. And Muhammad Ali goes into the Nation of Islam, now run by Louis Farrakhan, and does exactly what they tell him to do. And if that means your brain is going to get destroyed, that's what it means. So that's the common thread that runs in the three of them, the lethal danger of celebrity. So here's what you write in the book. Fame changes those who receive it. It's not a natural condition. So, Bill O'Reilly, you're not exactly an unknown quantity. Uh, neither is Geraldo Rivera, who's a very close mutual friend. So, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not blowing smoke, Bill O'Reilly, and I know you're a tough guy. How, you know, how come you don't go off the rails? How come Geraldo didn't go off the rails? What, what was the weakness in these people that, you know, and the strength that someone like you and Geraldo have? Well, it's an excellent question, Idella. And you can tell you're a lawyer. I had a family that raised me with very strong Judeo-Christian values, okay? Number one. Number two, I wanted to be famous, but I didn't want to have a mansion and a Ferrari and all that. I didn't do it for that. I did it because I wanted everybody to know my name like in Cheers because they respected my ability as a journalist. And number three, I made colossal mistakes, um, when I became famous. Colossal. I didn't protect myself nearly at the level that I should have. And I did it because I didn't know and I should have known that when you bloviate about politics every day in America, some people are going to try to hurt you badly. And so I didn't protect myself to the level I should have. Now, I learned my lesson and I didn't self-destruct like Ali and Lennon and um, Elvis, but boy, I got I got hammered big time. Well, uh, you know, whatever. I, I I all I can tell you is on a personal level, I I miss you uh, on a regular basis. Although you're now you're I don't know you're actually more omnipresent now uh, than I think you used to be when you just had yeah, that one the one on, show. <laughs> look, the big thing is that once you become famous in America, and Donald Trump and Joe Biden are very good examples of that. Your whole life changes. And it's hard to keep control of things. So I'm happy I'm not in corporate media anymore. I never, ever go back to it because now I control my life. Whereas when you work for a corporation, you do not. So, okay, now I'm going to I'm going to really now I'm going to be a cross examiner. Mr. O'Reilly, you know, you you were at Fox News. You were a, a superstar. You had if you combine your two shows, the eight o'clock and then they re-aired it, you had more viewers than network news did. And then, you know, you, you didn't really choose to leave. You, you were, you left, uh, Megan Kelly, same kind of thing. She didn't really leave the way she wanted to leave NBC. And yet she says the same exact thing that you do, uh, that she's so happy and, you know, she would never go back. And I look at the line you wrote at the end of the book regarding, uh, Yoko and John. And you said, if you see decision-making to an the person disaster often follows but you seeded decision making to roger ailes and the murdochs for all those years you had to no, follow the rule well to some degree you had to follow the rules uh, no you know. i did not i okay, that's absolutely not true okay well tell I let's never, hear the truth from I bill o'reilly go ahead i never seeded any autonomy to the corporate masters ever in any of my jobs and that's why they didn't like me all that much 
And going in, and I'll never forget a conversation I had with Rune Arledge when I signed out with ABC News and worked for Peter Jennings. I looked him in the eye and said, don't hire me if you want a puppet. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do the job the best of the ability. I'm going to deliver a product that's good. But don't tell me what to do. And Al's never did. Not one time in more than 20 years, and neither did anybody else in that corporation. Can I, can I get – I would not have been – I would not – have been receptive to that. Go ahead. Can I, I would just like to ask you uh, three or four sentences about Roger Ailes. Brilliant man, uh, great judge of talent on uh, television, leader, um, conservative, um, always honest to, with me. You know, I ask him questions, get a straight answer, which is in corporate corporations, that's unusual. And um, I feel terrible what happened to him and his family. Oh, I, I think I agree with everything you just said. I just want to end, Bill, with the way you end the book. Um, you talk about literally the last page of the book, 276, and the, the last few pages where you sum it up, the author's note, it just it hits the nail on the head on so many different levels. But you tie all of this in, these three guys, Elvis and Lennon and, and uh, Ali, into kind of cancel culture today. And... You could use Lenin as an example. I mean, he is lauded. I am assuming if you go into the most left, left, left place, they'll tell you John Lennon was the greatest thing ever. And what you point out in the book is before he died, he talked about how, you, how he beat women, how he's violent towards women, uh, yet he hasn't been canceled. Then you talk about Abraham Lincoln and George Washington's names being taken off of buildings in San Francisco. And how do we deal with that? Uh I want to ask you a very personal question because of the time of year we're in. I am one of the leaders in the Italian-American community. And now, uh, as you credit, the cancel culture fanatics, as you describe them in the book, uh, they throw the first the first stone, you know, alluding to the phrase in the Bible. How do we deal with Christopher Columbus? We're not talking about someone who lived a couple of hundred years ago. We're, we're 500 years plus, and they're holding him to the standards of today. What do we say to those who want to tell me, you know, oh, no, Arthur, we're taking Christopher Columbus Day, an Italian Heritage Cultural Day, off the calendar, and we're going to make it something else? Well, it's wrong, because every person of history had duality, as all human beings do. And Christopher Columbus is a very difficult man to nail down. There's only one letter from him that exists. It's in the Vatican Museum, and it's not public about how he treated the native tribes in the Caribbean, which is the controversy, and why he did what he did. But even though he did, I'm sure he did bad things, because every human being does. There's no reason to take that holiday, which honors an ethnic group that's contributed magnificently to this country, off the calendar. Well, There's just no reason to do it. And it's the same thing with Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, he's a slaveholder. Wasn't such a great guy in his plantation. But what he did for billions of human beings since that time counters that to some extent. And that's how sane people look at history. But the <laughs> cancer culture witch hunters are so dangerous, not only to history, but to this country. But nobody will go up against them because they fear them. 
Well, but Bill, we, we can't feel them. You know, they just did a, a, it breaks my heart when I go by the Museum of Natural History and Teddy Roosevelt is gone. That blows my mind that he's gone. Uh, Justice Alito has said publicly it broke his heart when the people of Newark threw the Columbus statue in the water because he says he remembers the, the old Italian immigrants putting in their last dollars to put that, that statute up. Uh, you know, Bill, someone like you, we we can't we got to keep fighting. I mean, Geraldo Rivera well, I quote. I know, and I have too. Yeah, and we, never and we have up to. to these swine. I mean, I'm never doing that. But reality is, this country is taking a turn for the worse. Our culture is being besieged by people who hate America. They want to change everything about it. And you're right. Good people have to stand up and say no. And if they don't, then in 10 years, you're not going to recognize this place. Well, I hope in less than 10 years, and I'm, I'm not being facetious, you could write the book Killing the Cancel Culture and talk about how the pendulum has swung the other way and uh, things have, have simmered down. Well, I'd, I'd be happily come out of retirement to do that, Arthur. Why? Are you, re- are you, retire- uh, are you retiring? Nah, you know, I'm getting old now, so oh, I'm still feisty, it but, you know, who knows? But look, I appreciate you reading the book. And it was great. It was great. To your dad. Thank you so much. Bill O'Reilly here on the Author yeah. Idola Power Hour. Thanks so much for the time. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed the show. We will be back live tomorrow night, Tuesday. And then don't forget, we'll be live in Times Square this Thursday. Don't miss it. See you tomorrow. The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi.